Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance's teaching in Philemon 1, 1-7, through 7, called Refreshing the Saints. We are uh, starting a new series tonight. I'm very excited to be teaching through the book of Philemon with you guys. So um, I promise it is in your Bible. It is one page. It is Paul's shortest letter in the New Testament. Um, and so it's right sandwiched between Titus and Hebrews. So you can turn your Bibles to Philemon. Uh, I was asked to let you know that we do have um, one other quick reminder, and that is the Silver Saints uh, Fellowship Breakfast that happens annu- uh, once a month is happening next Wednesday. So uh, mark your calendars for that, too, if you are a Silver Saint. And uh, you don't have to have gray hair to attend that, as, as I've heard. I haven't gone yet, but I've heard that you can go. So I might steal pancakes next week. I can't steal pancakes, though, because it's not in my diet right now. So... Yeah, we just, and we just talked about stealing on Sunday. Actually, so funny enough, on Sunday, we talked about not stealing, and then, as the Lord would have it, I went to Home Depot, and if you've ever worked on a project um, like carpentry or anything like that, you know that you don't go to Home Depot once. Unless you're like really thorough and you make a list, that's not me. I'm usually like perusing every aisle, all 42 aisles, or however many there are, and just deciding what I need right then and there, um, which usually the result ends up being that I'm back at Home Depot like four or five times that day um, to get different things. So it was like my third time back. I had forgotten some things and I bought, I actually just kind of didn't account for how much lumber I would actually need for the thing I was building. And um, so I'm, go, I'm back, I buy lumber, I get it loaded in my truck. It's getting kind of a hassle. It's getting late. I, I need to spray a stain. It's getting dark. It's going to get too cold for the stain to, stain to set. And I'm kind of trying to hurry. And I realize as I'm getting in my truck, that I have these two little hooks that I put in my jacket pocket because I had two by fours on my shoulder. And I, and I said to myself, they're like $2 each. Do I have to go back? Do I have to go back? And then I said, I have to go back. I have to go back. So I had to walk all the way back inside. And uh, then it was an opportunity. So I looked at the cashier and I said, you know, this is crazy. Uh, I, I just, uh, my church is going through the Ten Commandments. Our pastor just taught on do not steal on Sunday. And here I am on Tuesday and I'm, I'm trying to steal stuff. You know, and I said, so God gave me the opportunity, and I came back, and she, she didn't seem super interested, but uh, I, I tried. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. I figured, I planted a seed, maybe she'll think about it later. But anyway, we are, uh, we are in the book of Philemon, and I, I'm excited about this. You know, as we were wrapping up um, our last book, I, uh, Pastor Michael and I were talking, and a couple of weeks ago, in just some of my own personal devotional time, I, I decided to read through Philemon. And I've read through it before. I can't say I've studied it in depth before this. Um, and then I came to find out I'm not alone in that. Uh, I think Philemon is kind of forgotten. Like there's very limited commentaries available on Philemon. And it's kind of like oftentimes overlooked. Um, you won't find a ton of pastors that have done a series on Philemon or gone through it. Uh, but the things I did find had such rich content. And for me personally, as I started to read through this short letter from Paul, um, I just was blown away at the, the depth and the richness of this text 
Um, and it really is, many scholars have said it is almost like a gospel in miniature. It's, it hits on all these, all these big ideas that Paul is conveying in Acts and Romans and Ephesians and Corinthians and Colossians are kind of all um, in a succinct manner hit on in this short letter that Paul's writing to his friend Philemon. And I just really um, found myself blown away by the fact that I haven't spent more time in this short letter because there's just so much. And so it could be taught in one night, but that is just not what we do here. (laughs) And so we're going to do the first seven verses. But what I would like to do, being that it is uh, relatively short, is I'd like to read uh, this letter because it is indeed a letter and it's probably the most personal letter that you will see in the New Testament from the Apostle Paul. Paul's writing to Philemon, who he has a personal relationship with, and this is about as personal as a letter as you're going to see from Paul to another person that he's writing to. And this is really the way you can think about this text as we study it for the next couple of weeks is this is Paul writing from one friend to another. He's writing a letter to a friend, a brother in Christ, and he has some things that he wants to address. And so I'd love to read the text in its entirety, all 25 uh, verses, and then we will uh, tackle the first seven tonight. So if you would stand as we read the word together, we're going to read all of Philemon. Reading from the ESV, it reads like this. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Epipha, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. I am sending him back to you, sending in my very heart. And I would have been glad to keep him here with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, uh, but by your own accord. Verse 15. For this purpose is, uh, excuse me, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing even your own self, uh, owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write this to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping 
that through your prayers I will, gra- I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, and my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You can have a seat. Lord, thank you for your word. Tonight, as we have the opportunity, the privilege to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, we ask that your Holy Spirit would lead this time. We ask that if there is knowledge, Lord, that we have not yet acquired, that we would grow tonight, that you would be so gracious as to uh, pour that knowledge out, Lord, that we might better navigate this life. Um, we know that your word never returns void, that time spent in devotion to you and in, in fellowship with each other and in, in growing in the faith, Lord, it's never going to return void. And so tonight we commit this time to you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would lead it and that you would be glorified through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I read through this first passage of, if you were Greek, you would say philemon. You would like have this like thick accent. I'm not going to say it like that all night because I, I can't do that. Um, and there's, there's some serious names here. So we have Onesimus, which you could just say Onesimus. And then we have Philemon and we have Paul. You can get Paul, right? Everybody can get Paul. <laughs> we like Paul's name. Nice and easy. So Paul is writing during one of his many imprisonments. Um, there's a lot of things in this short letter that we just don't have a ton of details on. Um, we're not even entirely sure at what point Paul is writing this, but we do know from his language in the text that he's older now, um, that he's seasoned. Um, we can venture to say that he knows Philemon, who is a well-to-do, um, he's in the Roman Empire, he's wealthy, and he obviously is doing well for himself because he has a house big enough in Colossae to house a church that's meeting there. We don't know the size of the church, but we know this, that Colossians is written right around the same time. It's a safe guess to say that Colossians is written around the exact same time that Paul pins this letter to Philemon. And what we know is that um, it's very possible that Philemon, who is a businessman, um, we would gather probably made trips uh, in order to uh, take care of the business that he had may have run into Paul. And we know from the text also that Paul is the reason, uh, has been the one that God has used to expose Philemon to the true gospel. And Philemon is in many ways indebted to Paul for showing him the gospel. And so what what many scholars believe is that it's possible that uh, during a business trip, Philemon is in Ephesus at the same time as Paul. Paul is speaking and uh, speaking the gospel of Jesus. Philemon is there. He hears it, whether he's converted there in the moment or not. We know that over time, him and Paul build a relationship. We know that Epaphras starts a church in Colossae, and Philemon is a leader in that church there in Colossae. And so the church presumably is, is meeting in Philemon's home. And so there's this relationship between Paul and Philemon. They know each other uh, maybe for years now. They've known each other. Uh, Paul has made it clear that he spends much time praying for him. And he has much uh, good to say about Philemon. He has a lot of things to praise him for. So we know that they know each other. Now, the other character, we have three main characters in this letter. We have Paul, we have Philemon, and then we have Onesimus. And Onesimus is a slave to Philemon. 
And we're going to talk about slavery tonight. We're going to talk about what that means in this Greco-Roman culture, what that looks like. Um, I will tell you now, it is nothing like what you and I think of when we think of slavery in our Western American culture. So we'll get into that in a little bit. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. The next topic to dive into was requested by a listener, Anxiety. What is it, and how do you work through it? And it catches you off guard when people do occasionally. You say, hey, how are you doing? And all of a sudden, the cashier at your local grocery store starts telling you how their day is actually going. And it almost catches us off guard because we are so busy, and I think busyness is a huge contributor to anxiety. But I think that's a key thing, is that Jesus takes his anxiety first and foremost to his Heavenly Father. So if we can kind of combine two ideas of what you shared, Pastor Shane. One is that Jesus took it to the Father in prayer. And that's a key. And that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer Mm -hmm. and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So that's a wonderful remedy. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, on Walk in Truth. Philemon is in Ephesus at the same time as Paul. Paul is speaking and uh, speaking the gospel of Jesus. Philemon is there. He hears it. Whether he's converted there in the moment or not, we know that over time, him and Paul build a relationship. We know that Epaphras starts a church in Colossae, and Philemon is a leader in that church there in Colossae. And so the church presumably is, is meeting in Philemon's home. And so there's this relationship between Paul and Philemon. They know each other. Uh, maybe for years now they've known each other. Uh, Paul has made it clear that he spends much time praying for him. And he has much uh, good to say about Philemon. He has a lot of things to praise him for. So we know that they know each other. Now, the other character, we have three main characters in this letter. We have Paul, we have Philemon, and then we have Onesimus. And Onesimus is a slave to Philemon. And we're going to talk about slavery tonight. We're going to talk about what that means in this Greco-Roman culture, what that looks like. Um, I will tell you now, it is nothing like what you and I think of when we think of slavery in our Western American culture. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, But Onesimus, at one point, was a slave for Philemon in his home. They have some sort of falling out. We don't know what that falling out is. But it, you could, there's conjecture. We could say that it's possible that um, Onesimus stole something from Philemon. Um, it's possible that there was some sort of altercation or conflict. 
And it is not uncommon in this time in history for those who are uh, enslaved to go to a mutual third party and ask for a plea on their behalf if they've done something wrong before their master. So this is not totally uncommon. This happened. There might be a situation where, let's say, um, a, a, a household slave stole something from their master, and they could be punished according to Roman law. Now, Roman law categorized these slaves as property. And your experience as a slave in this Roman culture was vastly different depending on the character of your master. So if your master was somebody who uh, was Christ-like and, and understood that all men are created equal in the image of God, then you had a pretty good life. You could basically compare it to most of our lives right now where we work for someone full-time. Maybe if you work for a smaller business or a smaller company and you actually have a face-to-face interaction with your boss on a daily basis, that's, that's kind of how a better slave relationship in this culture may have looked. It was, um, and many times slaves in this culture actually were highly educated. They may even be educating their master uh, on how to read and write, uh, possibly helping raise the children and teaching them how to read and write. They may be uh, taking care of food. Uh, the, the, the list goes on and on. But what we know is that Onesimus is, something happens between him and Philemon and he runs away. So he is on the run and as far as the Roman government is concerned, he is punishable by law for what he's done because he should not have left his master's house. And so Paul even having interaction with Onesimus, if this is what's unfolded, is putting Paul himself at risk. Now, if Paul is in house arrest in Rome, which is where many um, scholars lean, is that at this time, Paul is under house arrest in, in Rome. And he is awaiting a trial. But the trial period could sometimes be one or two years before you're able to stand before uh, those at power and make your plea. And in this case, if this is when Paul is in house arrest in Rome, his plea is that the Christianity is not going to be a threat to the Roman Empire and he's trying to keep peace. And so he is awaiting that trial date. If it is found out that Paul is giving aid to Onesimus, who is a runaway slave, Paul is, is very much jeopardizing his freedom and his future. But for the sake of discipleship and for the sake of the gospel, Paul lays aside his own personal um, interests and he says, I will take Onesimus in. And so what it seems has happened, and again, we, don't, we have to fill in the blanks with some of these things, so take this for what it's worth. But it seems as though Onesimus has come to Paul and said, I know that you know Philemon, I need help, I stole from him, whatever may have happened, and I need you, I need you to help me. And so that's, that's where we are at when we open up this letter. And it, like I said already, it, it's, it's um, pretty, pretty uh, clear that this is written at the same time as the letter to the church in Colossae, the Colossians. And these letters are going to be delivered at the same time, very possibly by Onesimus himself. And so Onesimus is going to go back, and we're going to see this next week, to the man that he has betrayed in some sense or had some sort of falling out with, and he holds his own fate quite literally in his hands. And he delivers the letter of Philemon to Philemon and says, hey man, good to see you again. Uh, I don't know what that's about. I might be in there, I don't know, but you might want to read that. So you can imagine if Paul is in 
Ephesus, he's about a week's journey away. If he's in house arrest in Rome, he's further away. But nonetheless, we know that it's very likely he sends, after he writes this, the letter to the church in Colossae and the letter to Philemon with Onesimus and some others to be delivered. And so it's an interesting situation that Paul finds himself in. Paul has, as he says in the text, Onesimus has become like a son to him. We don't know how long the two have been together now, but we know this, that Onesimus has become a partner in the gospel with Paul. And so the two of them, uh, Onesimus has been bringing aid. So if Paul is on loose house arrest in Rome right now, he can have visitors, um, people can come into the home that he's in, but Paul himself really can't leave. But he can have people over. He could have been, if he is on loose house arrest in Rome, have been discipling Onesimus for the last couple of months or however long. I'm going to venture to say that if Paul is equating him to like a son, that it's probably been a decent amount of time that the two of them have been together and Paul has been taking time to pour into him and disciple him. And that is why we even see Paul say that it may have been for this purpose that he is away from you. God may have just had this happen just so that he could interact with me and become a Christian and partner in the gospel with us. And so you can see, even in the midst of the chaos that's happening and the the falling out that these two men are having, Paul is saying, look at what God is doing, because now this young man has come to me and made his plea. And in doing so, I've been able to uh, disciple him and he's come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we see the grace of God working in three very different men. We have Onesimus, who is As far as the Romans are concerned, the lowest of the low. He's a household slave, and he is um, probably more poor. Uh, He may have more than likely probably was born into uh, slavery. We don't know for sure, but there's Onesimus. Then we have the apostle Paul. He is Saul at one point. He's cream of the crop. He has the highest education. He's wealthy. He's successful. And now Saul has become Paul. And he's, and he's years and years into his ministry for the, the sake of the gospel. And he's now writing this letter. And, so we, and then we have a wealthy Roman citizen. Three very different people. And that, that is a beautiful picture that's painted here because their common bond is Jesus. In fact, that's one of the main points of this letter, that Paul is making a a plea to Philemon to say, you no longer see Onesimus as a slave. No, you're going to take him back, and you're going to take him back as a brother in Christ. And Paul makes it clear in different texts in the New Testament that we don't necessarily have time to get into tonight, that the institution of slavery Um, in that men are less equal based on race or ethnicity or skin color. Those things are not of the Lord. In fact, the Old Testament condemns those things. We'll get into that in a moment. But here's what we know. Paul is saying, look, you guys are brothers in Christ. And so no longer will you see him as a servant. Now, the other thing is that Philemon's reputation is possibly also on the line. Because if word gets out, and Onesimus is well known. In fact, he's mentioned in the letter to the Colossian church as well, which is not an accident. I believe that Paul is very strategic in the way that he writes these two letters. Because see, if the whole church in Colossae Colossae knows what's going on, well, then Philemon has to make a decision knowing that everybody's watching what he'll do next. 
You've been listening to Refreshing the Saints, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, and his teaching in Philemon 1, 1 through 7. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to say thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. We're over halfway through the year, and you've raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast, equipping people with God's truth. Now we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in car or at home is still free for listeners. In fact, most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We're looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we'd love to become fully funded by listeners, and this will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and then click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance's teaching in Philemon 1, 1 through 7, called Refreshing the Saints. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.